Welcome, Joe Kim, to the show Trials with a Z. Thank you for coming out. It's great to be here. I thought it was Trials Z, so thank you for, you know. Educating. Oh, oh, excellent. Well, I'm That's glad I made Z. the correction. I'm glad I made the correction. Yeah. Excellent. Well, how was, the, uh, uh, how was the, the trip out here to Vegas? Great. Direct flight from Philly. Can't complain. I was stuck in the middle, but that's okay. I worked. Wi- where Wi-Fi was spotty. Where in the middle? Row 15B. Oh, the middle of the plane. Oh, I, I thought, thought you meant a layover. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Middle row, middle seat. Middle row, yeah, middle yeah, seat. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Nice. You're not a middle child by any chance, are you? Actually, I am a middle child and a firstborn son. So I have three older sisters and four younger brothers. Wow, okay. So you- Oh my gosh. A lot of different scenarios, (laughs) a lot of different perspectives in there. So starting starting with your youth, why don't you tell us a little bit about what made you interested in healthcare? How did you get started in the healthcare field? Honestly, I didn't want to do this at all. So, you know, I come from an immigrant family of Asians and you're either going to be a doctor or a lawyer or some sort of pharmacist or, you know, you get, you, that's, you get pushed into that. Honestly, I wanted to do something more creative, um, whether it was music or film or something like that. It turns out my grandfather was also in the arts. Oh, wow. Yeah, but no one told us this until it was too late. So I got pushed into science, which I liked and was good enough at. Um, but you know, you'd take out student loans, and before you know it, you, you're racked with debt, and you have to make a living doing something. So, you can't go back to film or music. You have to make money doing what you did, or you studied. So a lot, a lot of it just was circumstantial, uh, honestly. But my first job out of college was a, as a social worker, um, most wow. mostly because I couldn't. I really didn't know how to find a job. Like my parents were street vendors for like 25 years, like selling handbags and bracelets on the streets of South Philly. Interesting. Yeah, I, I relate. I actually started at Penn State on a uh, fine art scholarship and, mm. then, uh, and then moved to uh, 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 tech and, and, uh, and uh, healthcare later. But um, so that's interesting. Uh, a little bit of a, of a, of a um, diversion, but I'm interested now, what, what field of the arts was your grandfather in? He was not... I'm, I'm going to overstate it. He was the equivalent of like a Broadway producer. Got it. But this okay. was like in the 30s or something. So it was not that, that level, obviously. But right, right. He was, he was like a, a dancer and choreographer and like he was a producer of some That's sort. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Very cool. And now you are still interested in the arts, though. I saw, I saw some guitar playing on your uh, yes. and some cooking on your, uh, on your video, on your website. I was, uh, you know, in and out of bands in my teens, 20s and 30s. And, uh, you know, had some stuff on iTunes and you, you what, give up those dreams. What kind of bands? Like it was what like genre? a rock band. We have a little, a little special surprise uh, for the audience at the end. We might do a little, might do a little jam sure. together if you're down. But so what did you think, uh, as a musician, what did you think of the Trials theme song? Do you remember the Trials theme song from our podcast? Yeah, it's like some woman in a falsetto. I thought it was 
great. Thank you. I, <laughs> I, 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 I wrote the Trials uh, theme song, and I actually sang the original version, but I think, uh, I don't know if you heard, I heard it. it. Amanda's the only one that I let hear my original, my original. Uh, I've heard uh, several uh, original <laughs> versions I do all the, the, the demo versions of my songs, but uh, unfortunately, I'm a little off, a little off key, so. Uh, Cool. So, so moving from um, you know interest in the arts, but but that that feeling that it's hard to make a career, which again I empathize with. Similar similar background, um, and then uh, uh, you kind of began uh, 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 studying science. It sounds like that's kind of where you got your start in healthcare. Maybe, maybe in no, college or I yeah I studied molecular biology. Well, I started out as an engineer, and ah. I was just not smart enough for it. Fair enough. <laughs> I got, like, so you're a tech guy. I got a D minus in Fortran. So. That tells you what kind of programmer I could have not been. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because that's what I switched to when I, I, I thought, okay, I can't, I, I, I can't make a career as an artist. I mean, I never tried, but it just didn't seem realistic. You're but doing I, it right now. I love, fair enough, fair <laughs> enough, we're trying. So I, 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 uh, I always had loved, um, you know, one expression really of creativity was programming. Uh, uh, and, and back then we would program, of course, in basic, but Fortran and Pascal. Yeah. Or, and and, and now, nowadays, whenever somebody, you know, a programmer on the team or somebody um, says something about programming, I say, you know, I, I used to write code, you know, when, when it was Fortran, but that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. Okay, so you were, you were doing some engineering stuff, and then you decided to make the shift to, uh, to biology? I just wasn't performing, I just, I couldn't do it, so I switched to molecular biology. For some reason, it made a lot more sense, and I finished my degree at Lehigh University doing that. Then Very got a nice. job as a social worker of all things, helping kids in disadvantaged neighborhoods, um, basically. And that was that in Philadelphia? Just outside in okay. Norristown. So people who know Norristown, there got are sections it. of it that are that are pretty rough, and you know people have a hard time there for sure. Got it. Nice. And how long did you how long did you work in social work? I did that for like a, a two years, maybe. I went back to school and got my master's in secondary ed. Okay. So I used to be a science teacher also. Oh, interesting. <laughs> okay. Okay. So from social, for, well, from, from aspiring artist to, uh, uh, to, to engineer or aspiring engineer to social worker, then teacher. All right. So we've got this trajectory is kind of, is kind of taking shape. So, that, so, so where did we go from there? So the thing about schools is I, you know, at the master's level and probably at the PhD level for sure, you get indoctrinated in like the true philosophy of education and what it's supposed to do. And then you go to public school, and even really good ones, and you're like, what is this? This is not what education is supposed to be. Not to put public schools down. You know, I have many friends who work there, and my kids go to public school. But it just, it just didn't square. So I only did that for a couple years. And then uh, I learned my first lesson in, in, in careership, which is so it's really about whom you know. And a friend of mine uh, got me a job at Merck doing data management. In Crixivan studies. These are old HIV uh, drugs back in the 90s. That's, that's, uh, that's very interesting. So you kind of, you kind of were just uh, introduced to the industry by a friend uh, yeah. uh, and, and kind of right. came in that route. I needed, I needed a job. Needed a job. <laughs> wow. Well, that, no, no, no better, no better uh, uh, reason than that. So, um, so you started at Merck. Okay, tell us a little bit about what you did at Merck. Mark was really just cleaning up data manually, right? Okay. So this is the this is before edit checks. Oh, okay, oh, okay. Yeah. So it was totally manual. Totally manual. It was like an MS DOS like remote data capture system, and I'd be looking through you know paper case report forms, matching med history to AEs, like just like the 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 hand to hand combat of cleaning data. 
Wow. Yeah, people uh, don't appreciate those oh edit checks today. Ooh, yes. <laughs> so, so, okay, so Merck, uh, and then where from Merck? So then I, I bounced around, I got, I got a clinical job, which was not data management, so more about like, you know, writing protocols. I, I remember the days of three carbon case report forms, typing out checks to pay investigators. Like, I, I was in the tail end of that. So this is like got 1999. It. Okay, right, so we're going so, back 20 years now. Yeah. 1999, you know, writing letters on electric typewriters, putting binders in FedEx boxes. I don't know if they still do that, I hope not. <laughs> I know they were doing it a few years ago. I haven't been traveling. I have this great joke I've been wanting to try out. So uh, uh, I like to say, I haven't flown. I haven't flown since the pandemic uh, started. And boy, are my arms relaxed. <laughs> right? right? But anyway, I think they still do the binders. What were you doing in 99, Amanda? I was eight. <laughs> Fair enough. So, so drinking juice boxes and uh, uh, skateboarding. Riding my razor scooter. <laughs> oh, Tricking out the yeah. razor. Yeah. Nice. Uh, in in line skating. Watching TRL. Nice, <laughs> nice. So, uh, okay, so Merck, and more recently you were at Eli Lilly. What, what kind of yeah. happened in between? A lot happened in between. So, it's, you know, it's funny we're on a show with, you know, Clean Capture and the whole decentralized trials movement because honestly, back in 2000 maybe, was the first time I was exposed to what we would now call decentralized research. Got it, so got back it. then, in depression research, patients would come into the clinic and get rated on the Hamilton Depression Scale by a clinician at the site. But there was emerging science where, you know, you wanted to get rid of inter-rater reliability, right? Right. So the less raters you had, the better it would be. So they came up with what they called back then centralized rating, which we would call today decentralized. So instead of the patients going to the site, they called a number and did the Hamilton right. Bush scale over the phone, right? It was remote. Got it. And that actually just proved that it was not more convenient. They, we did it because it was better science. So instead of having 50 raters, you had three. And so the, the sig you could separate signal from noise. Uh, anyway, I bring that up because it's like, that was one of the first weird things about I'm trying to tie this thing together with decentralized right, trials. Right. I was like, that, we were doing that back in 2000. That's true. And, you know, that makes me think of the old randomization systems, the IVRS, where you call, you call, in, the, call yeah. in the phone number to, 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 to get randomized. Yeah, remotely. Yeah, yeah, so, totally. so, yeah, everything kind of comes full. Everything kind of comes full so circle. Yeah, after Merck, I, I went to a CRO. I did some sales for a little bit in eastern Canada, which is a great part of the, the world. Oh, interesting. How did you – that may be a whole, whole episode. How did you end up in Canada? Uh, well, it was a it was a pharma a CRO called MDS, so they were Canadian. They had a big Canadian presence, and they were their phase one and bioequivalent stuff was was uh, in Canada, but their late stage was in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. Oh, King of Prussia, yeah. yeah. We were there a few years ago yeah. for uh, outsourcing clinical trials conference. I think oh, that's right. Yeah. It was a uh, it was interesting because they did it in this sort of I guess they have casinos yes. uh, there. They did it in this sort of. Oh, yeah. Quasi hotel casino thing. I've been to that casino. Oh, really? In that same space, uh, watching MMA fights. <laughs> wow. So they hold those things there. Yeah, too. that casino was actually pretty like packed. If I remember correctly, there was a lot of sports betting going on. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, King of Prussia Casino. Shout out. Second biggest mall in the U.S. Um, it's the biggest. It's, uh, mall of America's in Minneapolis. I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay, got it. And this is the second. So, so you've been to the second biggest mall? Yeah, I grew up around there. So oh, okay, I, cool, cool, I, cool. 
so the plaza, which is very posh now, the King of Prussia Plaza, used to be a really downtrodden, crappy mall. Um, but it was it, like in sixth grade, I used to go there and break dance. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Oh, my goodness. A break dancing, uh, 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 break dancing days. Yeah. There was cardboard. Yeah, I was going to say, did you bring your own cardboard? There was cardboard mm -hmm. there. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, who, who, who was your favorite um, uh, uh, music artist uh, to break dance to? Oh, gosh. I think it was mostly Run DMC. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was definitely. That was, that was like contemporary for my age back then. That was definitely cool uh, at the time. Curtis Blow, right? The Fat Boys. That was oh, yeah. Yeah, I almost forgot about the classic. <laughs> classic. Cool, cool. So um, so moving uh, the moving forward uh, more recently, tell us about your role at Eli Lilly. Yeah, so I was, you know, back again to the It's All Whom You Know. Um, when I was working in between Merck and Lilly, I'd done some CRO work. I worked for Shire. And on the conference circuit, I kept running into this guy, Jeff Kasher. Um, I don't know if you know him, but uh, he's one of the early, early innovators before like, so him and Craig Lipset and Andreas Koster, they created sort of D-Farm and Transcelerate, right? That, that right. Was, those were like, that's like the Mount, the Mount Rushmore kind of thing. Um, and I kept running into Jeff Kasher, and just we clicked. And in Vegas, of all places, uh, at a at a conference, I forget what it was, maybe partnerships or um, anyway, I was angling to try and work for him, and he was angling to try and to get me to work for him. And so at this dinner at the Mirage, I'm sitting at a table with like 13 of his minions, and it's just like me, and we we're we're both trying to like get each other to work together. Little did we know we were both trying to do. Anyway, two months later, I'm, I'm there in his group uh, called Clinical Innovation. And it was like 45 people just focused on trying to disrupt the whole thing from soup to nuts. That, that reminds me, Amanda was just begging to be on the podcast, but little did she know I actually had planned on inviting her on the podcast. I was actually going to say, <laughs> I have experience being a minion of Scott. <laughs> oh, so, oh, my. Yeah. You so, know the feeling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would have been oh, one of the Oh, why did I set that table. up? Why did I set that up? So, uh, okay, so Eli Lilly, and how long were you at Eli Lilly? Seven and almost eight years, and I started their podcast there called Elixir Factor. That's so right. I've seen. I've, I've watched. Three, I watched a few episodes. Three seasons of that. Uh, they is that was, still going on? They just revived it. So the first oh. episode of season four, I guess, just came out uh, last week. Yeah. Did they? Uh, who, who's the do new? That. I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to promote the old show. But who's no, the new it's host? Fine. Like to me, the fact that it lives on means I did something. It's your good. legacy. Because if yeah. I screwed it up, they would have mothballed. It, right. 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 So right. I did something good. Uh, I think the idea is that they're, they're going to rotate um, hosts. That's now. almost even a, a, a greater uh, a tribute to your legacy. That now you know you you created the thing. That's uh, yeah. that's very cool. That's very cool. Are you chief marketing officer at yes. uh, Proof Pilot? What was your role, at Eli Lilly? I was what they call senior advisor. Okay. In digital health. Oh, oh okay. I don't know why they use these terms. Yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting title. Yeah, it, it, I don't know what it really means other than like I'm supposed to know the subject matter really well. So there, you're sort of a subject matter <laughs> expert. There's a lot of interesting terms in this industry. Yeah. Uh, interesting titles, rather. Yeah. A That's lot. That's true. That's a lot true. of ambiguous. You ambiguous know. and and sometimes um. 
want to say fluffy uh, yeah, yeah, titles. Yeah, yeah. Just fluffy. say what they are. Yeah. yeah. So, so okay. So you were a subject matter expert in digital health at Eli Lilly. Is well, that a fair? I, I was trying to be. Okay. Okay. That was, you were, <laughs> you were, you were assigned, you were expected to be a digital. Well, uh, it was uh, such a new field. Like yeah, no one enough. knew anything. And you know, half the time I was the dumbest guy in the room, which I liked. I wanted to right? be there learning. Well, uh, cool. Cool. And, and, and so now, um, now focused again. So speaking of full circle, now focus again on remote and decentralized trials? So yes and no. Okay. Um, you know, part of my move to Proofpilot was, um, you know, I wanted to get back to doing things a little bit more creatively. I, I like to use the analogy of grocery shopping because I, I do all the grocery shopping. And for certain stores, you can walk around the store and beep everything and put it into your bag, right? As you walk around. I don't like Instacart. Oh, I, I, did, I didn't know that was the thing. Oh yeah. I don't like people like, like doing foods. it and giving it to me. It's like the Whole Foods, Amazon thing, right? Yeah, you know, not to not to sound like an old curmudgeon, but but <laughs> back in the day, I, I think I think bagging used to be sort of an art. I remember some some baggers were militaristic about getting it. No, no, don't hand me that. You know, getting that perfect stack of, of heavy things in the bottom and breakable things. But yeah, I think I think uh, that that may be a lost art. It's my first job was a bagger. Okay, so you I, I saw I saw it. you shake your head with more <laughs> zeal than I thought I was going to get out of that comment. So that makes that makes sense. Well, I'm one of those guys when I see people on the plane putting their luggage in wrong, I get I get tweaked. Like, why are you not doing this the right way? Yeah. Flip it on its, it's side. It's a spatial, yeah, it's a spatial relations thing. Some 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 everybody has a little different sensibility. I've I've encountered that too where yeah, yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem to quite yeah, quite add up. Beautiful. Well, I think uh, I think we want, as we talked about earlier, I think we want to do a little jam. Are you down? Are you down yeah, to jam sure. with us? Okay. Sure, so we'll sure. we'll see, Jacob. Uh, uh, can we uh, can we uh, hook Joe up with a what am I playing? With Drums, a, a six, six string razor. We're gonna give you we're gonna give you the, the axe, the guitar here tonight. And Amanda, as I remember, you used to play the reens, right? Isn't that right? I believe you were an expert on the on the tambourines back in the day. All right, we've got a we've got quorum now. What is <laughs> beautiful, beautiful. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thanks for coming on trials. And one, one last question. How do you spell trials? T-R-I-A-L-Z. Uh -huh.